welcome back to the Mildew Twang Outdoors podcast, where we chronicle our time spent in the Delta, the swamps, the Piney Woods, and beyond. Here, we share our experiences and stories ranging from simple country living to lesser-known stories about American culture and what all of that means for us as Christians in today's world. Our format today is going to be a bit different than what you're used to hearing. Rather than outlining my stories and providing a structure to this show, which is what any good civil engineer would do anyways, we are going to spend time with a few good buddies who accompanied us out to Wyoming. You are in for a treat as we laugh together and reminisce about our time in the woods. Welcome to the inner sanctum of Mildew Twang Outdoors. Our experiences in Wyoming may be summed up in this quote by Teddy Roosevelt. It is hard to fail, but it is worse never to have tried to succeed. And try we did. In 2017, 2018, and 2019, we chased after antelope and mule deer. We encountered blizzards, we struggled against nature, and we all picked cactus spines out of our kneecaps for months after every trip. We learned about ourselves, but most of all, we built lifelong bonds with the men we were out there hunting with. Tonight, I have several close friends here on the podcast with me. You have met my father, who was on a previous show, Tim Caldwell, also known as Papa Nichols, but that's a story for another day. I'm also on here with the miraculous Chip DeShields, who hails from the magical land of Forest Home, Alabama, and John Chapman, the maker and owner of Chapman Made Knives from Jay, Florida, who is practically a modern-day Viking. There isn't anything that he can't do. We'll kick off our interviews by starting with Chip. So, Mr. Chip, tell me a little bit about yourself, how you grew up, and how you ended up in this wonderful circle that we call Mildew Twang. Well, I just love Jay Caldwell. I think he's a man of God and serving him in a way that I wish I would do, or wish I were doing. That's something to achieve and aspire to. Um, I live in Forest Home, Alabama. It's uh, in Butler County, between. Uh, uh, Possum Neck in uh, Shackleville, and uh, my son there, Tripp, is sixth generation on our farm, and uh, living in an ha- old house that was built in 1840. Nothing nice, just, you know, just country folks trying to scratch out a living, and <clears throat> I have really enjoyed knowing the Caldwells, Tim and Jay, and, and my buddy John. Heck, we went back back in the days when we were in college together over at Troy University, it was Troy State back then, and I just love these guys. And uh, anyway, we try to kill a few deer every year and turkeys, and, and uh, we went out to Wyoming a couple of times, and, man, I tell you, some of the best memories I've ever had of hunting with buddies, and, and I, I just want them to know and everybody to know, I reckon, and I just love these guys with my whole heart. They've been uh, somebody that's influenced me in a positive way over the years, uh, helped me know Jesus better, and, and I just love them. And, uh, you know, I don't really have the bloodlust. I ain't mad at them like you used to be, the deer and the turkeys and all that, but I still like to get out in the woods, and, and uh, I don't know. That's it. 
Well, Mr. Chip, I really appreciate the kind words. And for the record, you guys are family to us, and we love you, you guys dearly. You, your wife, and your children. You're an incredible role model for the Lord, and I look up to you in all that I do. As far as the bloodlust that you mentioned, I, I can definitely relate to that, because the older I've gotten and the more I've hunted, I've learned that being outdoors is more about spending time with friends and family. It's great to have the opportunity to put something on the ground, but it doesn't mean everything. And I, I'm blessed to share the opportunities we have to live this life with you, with John, and my daddy. Well, Mr. Chapman, it looks like you're up next. You are the maker and the owner of Chapman Made Knives, which are incredible handmade knives. If any of you guys out there are looking for a, a new gift, a birthday gift, a holiday gift, whatever that might be, tell me a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, and how you ended up going out to Wyoming with us, and what that looked like. Well, I, there's not a whole lot to know. I grew up in uh, Santa Rosa County, Florida, a uh, lifelong resident. Chip was kind enough to invite me to go to hunting, hunting in Wyoming with y'all. And uh, and since meeting y'all, it's just been nothing but a pleasure. Yeah, John, it's been a pleasure knowing you as well. All of the opportunities we've had to spend time together, to hunt and fish, it's been great. I believe we first met on a snapper trip out in the Gulf, and I know we've been out there several times fishing, and I, I have no idea which trip it was that we actually met on for the first time, but all of the stories that we can share together now are incredible, and I look forward to making many more with you. John Chapman's a big deal, but John won't say this, but he was a captain in the fire department there in Pensacola, and uh, he pretty much ran things, I think, and... Um, <clears throat> The stories he could tell about just saving lives, man, it dude's got a heart, heart for service. Doing what I thought was the right thing. All right, guys, I've got one more fellow on the podcast with me tonight. Dad, welcome back. Look forward to having a, another storytelling session with you. Yep, yep. I'm happy to join you guys again. And, uh, you know, I tell you what, Chip, Chip and John are both great guys. It's a pleasure to, to even know them, and it's a blast to go hunting with them. Um, I agree with Chip on the bloodlust thing. I mean, it may not be there all the time, but every once in a while, every man, it, it, it does every man some good just to pull the trigger on something. All right, Dad, let's kick this thing off. I hear you got a story. Yeah, so, you know, Jay, we, we touched on our, our trip out to Wyoming last week, and you know, we talked about the two antelope we killed. Yeah, I was feeling really proud that day we shot those two antelope, and I was anxious to get back to the Rawhide Motel to uh, share. Oh, it was awesome. It really was, wasn't it? But, uh, I was anxious to get back there so we could share our honey hole with everybody else on the team, especially guys from Forest Home, Alabama, and Pensacola, because I, I just knew they wouldn't have a clue out there in Wyoming. So we get back to the hotel and we're proud and we're standing there and Kip and John show up and they had antelope in the truck. <laughs> well, let me just tell you this. John and I peeled out of there that morning way earlier than probably we should have. Uh, <clears throat> and I, I remember, this is what I remember. It was the darkest I've ever seen any. There was no lights. There was no anything. We were just cruising down the road, and there were just bucks going across the road. John, you remember? It was like you planted this on the moon. It was so dark. 
And right. you know, that morning, one of my regrets is that we didn't chase that porcupine down and catch it. Right. <laughs> Y'all saw we pulled a porcupine. Yeah, dang no porcupine was running, and I wanted to get out in the truck and run after it, but you know, it was early on, and we didn't want to do anything stupid. Now, Chip, I know you just said we didn't want to do anything stupid, but this next story highlights something that most folks probably shouldn't do out west, but, you know, it was a once-in-a-lifetime adventure, and we sure enough had our fun. Why don't you tell me what happened with that Suburban? We we got this uh, Suburban, four-wheel drive Suburban or Tahoe or something from Avis, and it was brand new. It had like 30 miles on it, and when we took that thing back, to them well i don't want to talk about that but anyway we, we ran those roads and poor john he was like please slow down we'd go over these hills and you know and and i think that was uh it was bowman luke duke reinvented <laughs> <Yeehaw! laughs> we didn't die john but i think a few times you thought you know we i thought we die. were most of the yeah. time, you're driving with your knees. <laughs> you were driving with your knees while you ate sardines and canned chili at the same time. Yeah. Not I, that. So yeah. what's your point? So, uh-huh. yeah, I know that we at one point went through a cattle gap. The Suburban was like 20 feet long. Not, I don't know what a Suburban is, but. It's probably 18 or yeah, 20 feet. We went through a 15-foot cattle gap sideways, and uh, poor Jay said, oh, goodness, as his – anyway, we, we had a good time, didn't we, there, Timbo? Oh, we, we, we did. And, you know, I don't know what was worse, that cattle gap or sitting in the Tahoe with you four hours after you had eaten sardines and chili. <laughs> he cracked the window. It was Man. fine. I didn't have to crack the window. You did. Now, you guys may have a hard time believing this, but this next story talks about Chip and his first antelope. What you may not know about Chip is that he can crawl on all fours better than Spider-Man. You know, I, I heard about somebody crawling up to an antelope to shoot it. Yes. John Chapman can tell you this story better than I can. I had gloves and knee pads because that was my plan all the time. Not a long range good. However, I killed one at 595 yards with uh, Jay's help. But the first one I ever killed, that was a great story. It was it was impressive. Go ahead, John. Let's hear about it. We had uh, spotted some the previous day that was uh, about five feet across the property line. We could not legally shoot those antelope. And earlier that morning, I had killed mine, and Chip suggests we go back to that spot again. When we get there, we park, we sneak over the hill, and here they are on in legal shooting grounds. So... Uh, Chip, what kind of rifle was that you had? It wasn't it an open sight gun. Ruger number one, seven by fifty-seven. And uh, I had a gun that was ranged in to about four hundred yards, and he asked to use my gun. And he, we were two hundred and fifty yards off, and uh, he set up on them, and he says, "I'm going to uh, sneak down that wash and just pop my head up and shoot one." 
I said, knock yourself out. So I took him about a half a mile up the road and dropped him off in this wash, or gully, as we like to say down here. And uh, I go back to our original perch, and I'm watching. And about 30 minutes later, I hear a shot. I see an antelope fall over like it was a toy horse you just dumped over. And uh, then Chip pops out of the wash. It was pretty impressive. And I think we marked it off at 25 or 30 steps. So what I did, I crawled down that wash on my hands and knees for about, oh, a long, long way. I don't know how long. And John was up way up the hill. He was just a little dot. He was looking, I guess, through binoculars? Yes. Anyway, <clears throat> so I eased up, just put my head over that ridge, and I was looking right at him, and he was, yeah, about 20 steps. And he looked at me, and he went, hmm. That's unusual. <laughs> and then, you know, he died and then he fell down and uh, he was still looking at me with that unusual look. And he never knew where that came from other than just looking at me in the eyes. We locked eyes. So you're, you're the last thing he saw. Yeah. Now, John, you'll say that there was one bedded with all those does uh, that was much bigger. You you shot the guard antelope. That one was on guard, watching out for the herd. And uh, the other one was down there sowing his oats. There was a bigger one, but if I had shot it, the bullet would have gone through that one and hit other ones, and I didn't feel comfortable doing that. And I still have that skull. In fact, Jay cleaned that skull and, and made it all white and beautiful and it's in my house and I think about Jay and that day every day. It's cool. Yeah, that skull, something real quick as a side note, when you clean a deer, right, you can just pull the skin off. If you do a European mount, you skin his head out, you boil the head or do whatever you do. You take care of the meat and get it all off. But there's antelope. I didn't know until we had been out there for a while that their horns are keratin-based, I guess. It's equivalent to a rhino horn almost. So this horn is a sheath on a cartilage base with some little bone protrusions from the skull that stick up into this thing. And when you go to clean the skull out, you can either steam the horns or, in my case, I like to microwave them. It takes a few seconds to pop it in the microwave, but... It'll loosen the cartilage and you pop the horns off and then clean the cartilage off the little bony protrusions. You clean the skull out and then you have to use a silicone caulk to reset the horns back on the head. But it's, you wouldn't expect that looking at those animals, but their horns are strange. John, tell us your story about your antelope. Well, Chip and I were out riding and I was glassing and uh, we come across this prairie lack of a better term, and I just see a set of horns sticking up through the uh, grass. And I'm driving 80 miles per hour. Yeah. For those of y'all that don't know Chip, he very seldom ever drives any slower than 80. I've been riding with Chip my whole life, and uh, at least since college. when I knew when y'all were getting ready to have an experience, and I could see it in your eyes when you got back. Because y'all were talking about the, the doe that Jay killed, just talking about the ride. But anyway, 
regardless, I saw this. All I saw was a head and a set of horns above the grass. Uh, I got out of the truck and started crawling out and hit a good glassing spot. And uh, I ranged him at about 330 yards. And I crawled a little bit farther, got right at 300 yards. I choked the first time. Well, actually, the first two times because I, I didn't. I was so excited I didn't jack the shell in far enough, and so I reloaded and fired and missed. Then they gave me another opportunity. I shot and thought I missed, and then I heard Chip whooping from the truck. So uneventful. Yeah, if I hear Chip whooping from the truck, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't know if it was the shot I made or if. He saw Sasquatch. Here's the story, though, is it was a snowstorm. I mean, it was just like white out almost. And we were driving down the road. I was driving. It was going about 80. And we just saw, you know, a, a bunch of antelope out there. And so I said, hold on. And I skidded on brakes. But because of the snow, we slid about 100 yards. And we got out. And there was this rock formation in front of us and then to the right you could sneak around and see those antelope and so as we were sneaking around the antelope started running and uh so <laughs> what were you shooting i don't know tim but you pick it up from here i've never seen anything like this shot in my whole life i don't want tim caldwell shooting at me i would i would never shoot out of well, you know what? I can't say I would never shoot at a person. If a person gave me a reason to, I probably would. But people ask me what kind of gun I'm shooting all the time. And I tell them I shoot the gun Jay gives me. Jay, what was I shooting that day? That was my 270 short mag, the same gun Brittany used to kill her first deer. That's a gun that I think was purchased at Walmart. Granddaddy bought it. It was a, a Winchester Model 70, and it really didn't shoot all that well. Before he died, he bought all the reloading stuff he needed for it. He passed away, and I inherited that gun and pretty much rebuilt it. Bedded the barrel into a new stock, bedded the action in a new stock, got it all situated, and it's running a 150-grain bullet. All right, so so anyway, Chip was driving. He slams on the brakes. You know, we see a herd of antelope, and me and Chip and Paul go Hiking up, we probably had to walk, I don't know, 75 yards off the road to get up it on the road. It was cold. Oh, I yeah. mean, cold, cold. Yeah, it's cold like we don't ever feel cold down here in Alabama. But uh, we get, I'm thinking we can sneak up to the top of the ridge and just shoot them. Well, you know, Jay and I, like we said last week, if these antelopes see you take one step toward them, they put it in high gear. And they the did. Yeah, we get to the top of the hill, and that herd is just hauling from left to right. And uh, I'm sitting there thinking, well, I guess we lucked out on this. I mean, you know, not I'm not going to waste a shell. And I look up, and my buddy Paul has his rifle on his shoulder. And I say, are you going to take a shot? He's like, yeah, I didn't drive 24 hours for nothing. So I thought, well, okay, if he's going to take a shot, well, I will too. So I pulled that rifle up to my shoulder. I looked through the scope and I led this uh, antelope doe just like you would a duck. And I squeezed the trigger. And all I remember is Chip DeShields just laughing as hard as he could laugh. 
and and I folded remember, like a cheap lawn chair. I'm telling you what, it was incredible. It was that that doe just. I mean, she she went from running. 65 miles an hour to rolling at 65 miles an hour <laughs> and you know I, every squirrel finds a nut and, and and that was the nut that i found that day it didn't have anything to do with skill well folks i'm sad to say it but we're running short on time I sure hope that you have enjoyed this week's episode. I've listed the website for Chapman Made Knives as well as his Instagram profile in the show description. Please check him out because he does incredible work. Tune in next week to hear about a few mishaps and some wild stories. There will be owls, steaks, and an appearance by a Rambo impersonator. This will be a show that you definitely should not miss. If you have any questions or comments, reach out to me via Spotify Podcast or Apple Podcast. Please provide feedback so that we can continue to develop our show for you, the listener. Remember to share us with your friends, and please follow and rate us as we grow. Love in Christ.